Welcome into Tales Never Fails. My name is Steve Kramer. Appreciate you checking out the show. On today's show, we're continuing our team-by-team, division-by-division season previews with the New York Jets. On the first episode, we covered the Super Bowl champions, New England Patriots. If you missed that one, be sure to check it out. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at TNF underscore podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. I'm joined today by Mr. Parker Hurley. Parks, how you doing, bud? Doing good, yeah. Moving on to the New York Jets. And uh, as I think if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that definitely a Sam Darnold uh, su- supporter, I guess you could say. So uh, we'll see how year two for him goes after what was an amazing offseason. Yeah, Parks, we can get uh, right into that with the quarterbacks. Like you said, Sam Darnold coming back again this year. Um, they have Trevor Simeon, Luke Falk, and Davis Webb backing him up. But unless he gets injured, they really shouldn't be much of a player. They're just going to really rely on, you know, the 22-year-old Sam Darnold. And um, that's where, you know, Adam Gase comes into the mix. And um, really, you know, um, more than I even want to talk about Sam Darnold, it will be um, that – idea or you know that behind it because um in my opinion Sam Darnold is really impressive and if you actually go back and watch um he was um he lit the world on fire on Monday night football against the Detroit Lions um slowly started to come back to life as players like Quincy Inunua and Robbie Anderson started to get hurt and we'll obviously get into those guys but um you know as the other thing that you have to um, mention before anything with Sam Darnold is um, when he started in week one, he was the youngest quarterback to ever start a week one NFL game. So he's a really young player, um, obviously compared to every single other player um, that's ever started in the NFL at quarterback. So um, not only did he start really young, he did catch fire, but he did fade out as his, um, you know, how much can a 21 year old kid carry an NFL franchise in his first NFL season? Um, It obviously wasn't much. He gets hurt. Um, as his team starts to come up, though, he finished the season um, number one in quarterback rating um, from the month of November on. Uh, a 22-year-old quarterback, um, he just turned 22 um, in June. So, I mean, the fact that he was able to, um, you know, first off, pick it up so well, you know, so quickly. Um, second off, you know, deal with the adversity and then overcome the adversity. And, you know, everybody is celebrating Baker Mayfield in his rookie season. And if you really, you know, you go back and look at Baker Mayfield, you would say, well, this is of all these quarterbacks, this is the guy who should have the most success in his rookie season. Um, He's two years older than Sam Darnold. Um, And then, you know, he he got put into a decent situation considering, um, you know, obviously he was in an awful situation. He overcame adversity, but because of the Freddie Kitchens thing, um, you know, got put into a decent situation. I think the end of Sam Darnold's career, while, you know, everybody was hyping up what Baker did, um, I thought it was equally as impressive, if not more, the last couple games of Sam's um, rookie season. So I'm very interested to see that second year climb. It just, like I said, it comes down to he needs some help. He needs some support around him. Um, It would be great if he had a guy like Freddie Kitchens, who he got along with, and all of a sudden he's the head coach and the good vibes are coming. Um, That obviously didn't happen with the New York Jets. Um, You know, Jamal Adams is calling out his head coach and other players around him saying, you guys are quitting on the team. And then I think I even was saying that, um, yes, Todd Bowles needs to be fired. You know who else needs to be fired? Mike McCagnan, because he's putting the Jets in a bad situation. And um, and he hired Todd Bowles. And, you know, why does he get to fire Todd Bowles and get away with saying, well, I made a bad decision? Um, you know, he's the one making all these decisions. And then, you know, they gave him the, um, the line to, uh, you know, hire his own head coach. There's a lot of rumors about how they kind of botched the head coaching uh, situation and kind of wound up on their third guy. Um a guy in uh, Adam Gase who I think saw a situation where he said um, he can take advantage of this. And, you know, my whole stance on Gase, and you can go back and listen to it in other podcasts, is um, X's and O's, really smart dude. Like, he gets it. He can see, you know, he's probably a visual person who can really see, you know, mismatches, can really break down the tape, can really understand and put his players in good situations to win. Um, He's the guy who could, you know, all game set up for one play. And that one play is, you know, just a heavy, you know, just a big time punch to the gut that just really, you know, knocks you out and rattles you. Um, And, you know, he just set it up all game, just set it up all game. Um, He's a really smart player. He's a person like that. Um, Also, he's a person who's a little too smart for his own good. You know, he's one of those people who knows he's really smart. Um, And with that comes a bit of, I wouldn't say an attitude, but an understanding of, you know, he wants to challenge everybody to get on his level. And um, like I kind of said, his biggest issue was um, 
he for like four years he tried to get the locker room straight in Miami and just could not get quote unquote his guys or you know his people. Um, and he really struggled with the locker room. And I always joked with Steelers fans saying, um, "You guys hate Mike Tomlin because he's so buddy buddy." Well, the opposite, the exact opposite of Mike Tomlin is Adam Gase. So you know which one would you actually really ha- rather have? You know the exact opposite um, because Gase struggles to connect with people. That's been his biggest issue um, this whole time. You would hope that in Sam Darnold because when you like listen to Sam Darnold and you understand kind of the way he carries himself. I wouldn't say he's an intense guy. I would say he's actually a laid back guy, but he also, um, it's like a no nonsense, very straightforward. Um, just kind of goes about his business a little ho-hum. I mean, especially due to the fact that, um, like I said, this is a second year quarterback entering year, you know, 22 years old in New York city, um, who just had one of the best months of his, uh, you know, one of the best months that you could think of considering his age and what he just did. Um, and you don't hear a peep. In the New York media, you don't hear anything. And I mean, a lot of it could be the fact that um, Adam Gase, you know, came into camp and he's controlling um, a lot of the headlines in New York. But the fact that your 22-year-old star quarterback isn't doing much in New York City, um, I think that's, you know, that's, that's a good start for him heading into year two. But like I said, um, you get Gase who could put people in good situations but has some control issues, has some um, personality stuff. You knew him and Mike McCagney weren't going to work out. Like I, I knew it from you know all, all these miles away. Like I knew that was going to be a struggle. And um, it sounds like when Gase knew that McCagney um, had a little had more control than him, Gase kind of shut it down and said, "I don't want to be associated with this draft whatsoever. I don't want to be associated with this free agency." And we're going to go through with it. Um, really poor free agency. Like they didn't really address m- much many of their needs. Um, and then you know the draft was like ho hum, and you just kind of walk away saying. They didn't do enough between year one and year two. They got their third head coach. Um, they didn't get the, you know, they let their GM just run an entire offseason. He made some questionable decisions, um, didn't really help the biggest needs. Um, so you're walking into year two of Darnold saying, this guy might get better. I don't know if the team's going to get much better. Um, we are going to kind of slowly talk about the other players. Um, but like I said, Joe Douglas getting hired. I'm actually a big fan of it. And I was actually a fan of, like I keep saying, Mike McCagnan absolutely needed to get fired. Um, it's just like, he probably should got fired before, before all, you know, all these decisions were made. Um, and like I keep saying, I actually do buy into the idea of Adam Gase because I think he's a smart person and I don't think him and Darnold are going to get into issues with each other. I think that if you put a guy like Joe Douglas, who came from the Philadelphia Eagles, which is kind of an analytically driven uh, team, but I would, a lot of people are coming out saying, well, Joe Douglas is an analytically driven football guy. So I think that if you get like, um, and everything I know about Joe Douglas, um, he's a real no nonsense football evaluator. I think that, I mean, and he actually um, negotiated his contract um, because everybody knew that the Jets were going to hire him because they, they had nobody else and he was like the top uh, candidate. So he basically um, made a lot of demands, got a lot of guaranteed money, um, got way more money than um, a lot of people thought he was going to get because he is in control of this ship. And that's where all of a sudden you say, okay, they screwed this offseason up. I'm questionable about Sam Darnold's year two, but I think Joe Douglas is going to get in here, is going to steer the ship, and I think he's going to put Gase in a place where, okay, Gase, now you're the mastermind play caller with this quarterback. Let's see it. So um, it's going to take time, um, but that's that's where their situation is heading to year two. And like I keep saying, I mean, it's all connected. Darnold's success is connected to Gase, and now it's connected to Douglas because without that, he's in trouble. So uh, we'll see. Parks, and um, I also wanted to touch on that they hired Dow Loggins as the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. Gase is going to call the plays there, but um, Loggins will focus on game planning and working with Sam Donald. Do you have anything to add with him or no? I do actually, because <laughs> he developed Mitchell Trubisky um, under John Fox, and it was an absolute disaster. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the difference between him and Matt Nagy is just, it was night and day. I think a lot of you guys obviously saw that. So um, I know, and I mean, Gase obviously brought Dow Loggins because um, Gase was in Denver with John Fox, and they both went to Chicago together. And then he went to Miami, and he brought Loggins with him. Um, when John Fox got fired from Chicago. So that's just some buddy, buddy stuff and it's not good for Sam Darnold. So um, we'll see. Parks, we can move on to the rest of the offense here. We'll start with um, some of that free agent money you talked about. They ended up signing former Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell to a four year, $52.5 million contract. He gets 35 million of that guaranteed out of the backfield goes Isaiah Crowell. They bring in Ty Montgomery, Jalen Moore, 
and they ended up extending D'Angelo pension in Blau Pau. Um, Parks, how do you see that shaking out? Um, kind of a change of pace to Le'Veon, or is Le'Veon going to be the workhorse like he was in Pittsburgh? I think Le'Veon is, for the most part, going to be the workhorse. And I think, you know, there's a distinction between um, Adam Gase didn't want Le'Veon Bell versus Adam Gase doesn't know how to use Le'Veon Bell. You know, um, there's probably very true that Adam Gase didn't want Le'Veon Bell. There's rumors he wanted Tevin Coleman instead. It's not that he thinks Tevin Coleman is better than Bell. It's that he thinks the contracts are drastically different. <laughs> like, go look at Tevin Coleman's contract, then go look at Le'Veon Bell's Um drastically different. Gase thinks that he could get similar skill set. Um, Gase also, like I said, he knows what he has in terms of his biggest issue, um, you know, stemming from Miami with Kenyon Drake was um, pass protection. He really, you know, and he's a guy who could, thinks that, you know, he could put pieces of running backs together. You know, I got a pass protector, I got a pass catcher, and I got a power guy. I can put it together for, you know, okay, Le'Veon, it's not a big cash hit this year, but um, moving forward, you know, you say, okay, Le'Veon's $15 million. I could put together three guys for $6 million and get the same thing. Or, you know, I could find production in a similar regard to that. But, um, the fact that Le'Veon Bell is a three-way player who can do it all, he's going to be used as a three-way player who can do it all. Um, I think his pass protection is actually going to you know, work well with Adam Gase. Um, I think obviously the biggest thing will be um, the personality thing. But I mean, and even, you know, I know he just got robbed by a couple strippers. And I'm going to say that like, I don't even know if he was like, it wasn't even like personality with him too, too much. Like, it's, I don't know. It wasn't too big of a deal in my opinion. So um you know, he just wanted his money and it seems like he got it. So um, he's going to, uh, like I said, he's going to pass protect. He's going to pass catch. Um, the big thing as we're going to get into, um, and like I said, in the Patriots one, we're going to go towards the fantasy angle. Um, I forget exactly where I have him. I think he's like my seventh or so running back. I have him like the late first, early second round in terms of his draft value. Um, you know, there are obviously some guys I would take him over. Um, but yeah, in that like 12 to 15 range or like 11 to 15 range, I would feel comfortable taking him. Um, I don't think he's, you know, top three right back to where he was because I mean, the biggest difference, um, you can start with play calling, but offensive line, um, just a completely drastically, I mean, the Steelers offensive line is top five. Nobody's going to deny that. And then the Jets offensive line is most likely going to be bottom five this year. So, um, this will be the ultimate test of a player who, um, we talk so much about Le'Veon Bell's vision. Um, it'll be really interesting to see him in that regard. But where I really think Le'Veon will shine and where I do say, you know, okay, if you do take him 12th in your fantasy league or whatever, um, it could absolutely work out is because, um, like I said, he's going to pass protect and that's going to make Gase feel comfortable enough to put him on the field. And then he's going to catch passes where um, he it could be a, a career high in uh, receptions for him, even despite the fact that the Steelers did use him pretty heavily in the passing game, mainly because um, – you know, the one thing would be Darnold um, with this offensive line, just a quick escape route. And I think that um, two things that you have to put into mind are that um, one is that Gase last season with Tannehill knew that he had a bad offensive line, knew that really Tannehill does not like to push the football down the field. Darnold is much more improvisational and really likes to push the football down the field more, which um, that's not necessarily great for Le'Veon Bell as, you know, your check down option. But at the same time, Gase doesn't want to get this young quarterback killed and he will probably try to reel him in a little bit more. And what that would mean is quick passes to Le'Veon Bell because um, an improvisational player is fine, but with this bad offensive line and with the fact that, you know, depending on, okay, you're three and seven, you know, are you really just going to send Darnold out there, you know, to drop back, drop back, run around, run around, you know, all these situations. So that's where Le'Veon Bell is going to catch a ton of passes. So yeah, I think he's going to hold down the fort. Um, you look through some of these depth players, um, Bringing back Bilal Powell is interesting to say the least because um, I think they have some other options, but nonetheless, he can also catch the football and can uh, pass protect. So I really feel like for the most part, um, if Bell goes down, they just know that um, we're heading into the season with a bell cow in mind. Um, Powell would probably step into that bell cow role because besides that, you kind of, like you said, D'Angelo Henderson, um, a little bit of scat back co complimentary piece. Elijah McGuire comes in the same regard. Um, and that's where, you know, I was saying, um, I really think Gase would have said between Tevin Coleman, Elijah McGuire, and D'Angelo Henderson, he could actually, he thinks that he could put that together. And I mean, maybe, but now that it's Le'Veon Bell, he's not going to mix in Henderson and McGuire. Like, yes, he does think that he could get that production at less than half the price. 
Bell's on salary. Like he's not going to put those other players in. Um, and then you got Trenton Cannon as a special teams player, in my opinion, um, for the return game. And Jalen Moore's coming back from an ACL. Ty Montgomery, um, a lot of people remember him, but I mean, this is what his fourth team now, his fourth training camp or so. Um, I don't see him sticking around. So um, that's really how I see it with the running backs. Parks moving to Darnold's weapons here at wide receiver. Um, they bring in Jameson Crowder. Three years, $28.5 million with $17 million guaranteed. He just turned 26 this month, um, which is nice for the Jets to get him. You know, he's coming into his athletic prime there. They ended up extending Robbie Anderson. Quincy Inunua was in December. Josh Bellamy comes in, formerly of your Bears. Deontay Thompson. They ended up getting Quadri Henderson to return kicks. Delta using much on offense um, from the Giants, and they ended up signing Greg Dorch. And Deontay Burnett was also extended park. So some interesting guys here for Sam Darnold. How do you see this shaking out? And I mean, everything really um, for the Jets last season. Um, Darnold was you know hot and cold based off of two players. Um, the Jets. Whole offense went um, based off of two players, Robbie Anderson and Quincy Inunua. Um, early into the season, um, unfortunately, Robbie Anderson was, you know, slowly um, getting into the mix. And then Quincy Inunua got hurt early into the season. So they weren't necessarily um, on the field at the same time together too much. But when they were, it was obviously when the offense was um, far and away at its best. And, um, you know, there were situations when neither of them were on the field and their offense was just absolutely abysmal. Um, and then when one of them was on the field, they at least had a, um, you know, an NFL offense. So, I mean, and you look into the depth of this and everything comes down to Robbie Anderson and Quincy Inunua, like everything. Um, and, you know, when you start to look into it, they're actually pretty good fits next to each other. Um, Robbie Anderson is an interesting player. They're actually both for fantasy. Um, I play these best ball leagues and I've been, I've actually have both of them on a roster. So um, Robbie Anderson is perfect in best ball because best ball, you don't have to set your lineup. It's just when this guy goes off, you're getting all those points for you. Um, so he's absolutely perfect. I think it's like round, round seven. You really want to get him. And he's like right next to Will Fuller. And it's actually, it's a really tough debate between Robbie Anderson and Will Fuller um, between who you would probably want to go with in that regard, because it's the same idea, you know, some of these times, um, Darnold's going to miss him with the deep ball. Some of these times, Darnold's going to hit him with that deep ball. And when he hits him with that deep ball, it's typically in the form of a 70-yard touchdown. That's the type of player that Robbie Anderson is. And then you start to dig into Robbie Anderson and you say, okay, this is a guy, I think he's like 6'3", like 200 pounds. So like really tall, but also extremely lanky. Um, he's from Philadelphia, um, has some like off-field um, just issues kind of have always personality issues. Everything like that has always pushed him down boards. So I think he's like a, he was a UDFA around seven player, but I mean, this is a kid. He ran four, three in the 40. Um, like I said, at six foot three running four, three in the 40. Um, this is a kid, he like serious athletic talent. And when he is on the NFL field, he's a true deep threat. Um, one of the rarest, um, deep threats there really is because, um, because of his size and ball tracking ability and speed, he truly does demand safety respect. And what that does is when Robbie Anderson is on the field, it opens absolutely everything up, you know, in the underneath game. And that comes back to, okay, this offensive line, Le'Veon Bell, you know, we're checking down to Le'Veon Bell because the safeties are playing deep because if the safeties creep in on Bell, we're going over the top with Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson makes this whole thing flow together. And, um, him and Darnold's, uh, ability to connect with each other towards the end of last season, combining that with, you know, moving forward this season, um, combining that with the fact that Adam Gase, like I kind of said, has typically been able to find that shot player, find, you know, Kenny Stills from the Miami Dolphins um, every once in a while. Um, you could think, you know, think Kenny Stills with, you know, four or five inches and a little bit more um, athleticism to him. That's Robbie Anderson. So, I mean, Robbie Anderson has the chance um, in that Z role. Um, he doesn't really run many routes and he's real thin. So, I mean, he's a, he's a limited player in terms of what he does in the NFL, but what he does is like one of the most important things in the NFL. So um, extremely valuable player and a pretty good uh, value. The questions with him do come down to his personality. They also come down to his health and his strength and everything along those regards, um, taking those bumps and bruises, but he's also still contract extension this year. So um, really fascinating player who, like I said, is a great best ball player. And also, you know, in that seventh, eighth round, um, you, you could find worse options than him in a season long fantasy league because there is a chance if him and Darnold connect, um, he's also still pretty young as well. So um, if him and Darnold connect, I mean, it's like, we're talking some serious big time plays. And like I said, his presence on the field, 
opens everything up for Quincy and Nunwa, who um, Nunwa typically dominated the slot, but like you kind of talked about, um, he's not going to move. He's not going to be in the slot too much uh, due to what they did this off season. So it's going to be interesting for him because he was actually a tight end who moved to slot receiver, who's now moving to, um, it's going to look like pretty much a full-time X receiver role. Um, he did play 59% of his snaps on the outside. Obviously, um, they ran a lot of two receiver sets because they don't have much depth in the receiver core. But um, nonetheless, it's somewhat of a different role for Anunua, and he's coming back from an injury. But um, you look at these fantasy leagues, he like doesn't get drafted. Some or, like He's like really freaking low. And um, I'm just a lot higher on him just in general because, in my opinion, when he's healthy, he's the number two receiver on a team that – is going to throw the football, and you could say, okay, Le'Veon Bell's the number two receiver. Um, still, like I said, due to how late he goes in fantasy, um, there are some players that like really, really late that um, he's going, you know, around or near. And um, you could definitely do worse than a guy like Quincy Inunua, um as late as he's going. So that's pretty much what they're going to do in terms of their two wide receivers. Um, Inunua would be the X, Robbie would be the Z, and then like um, you said, they went out and got Jamison Crowder for the slot, um, seventeen million dollars you know, guaranteed. Yeah. He's, he's 26 years old. He's never really been healthy. And that's, that's one of these moves where, um, like I said, with Le'Veon Bell, is he a little overpaid? Yeah. Um, is Jamison Crowder a little overpaid? Yeah. Are these the moves that led to Mike McKay getting fired? Yeah. So, um, you know, you look at Jamison Crowder and you say, well, it's pretty clear that, you know, um, they at least want to use him in some regard. And that was where it goes back to, okay, um, when he's on the field, he's actually a really talented receiver. I think a lot of people would agree with that. You know, just a quick shifty um, in that Julian Edelman, you know, role as a, you know, um, a bit able to change directions on a fly, sink his hips, um, get some yards after the catch, punt returns, everything like that. It's just, it, it does come down to the fact that he's never put in a full season. Um, so how are you giving him $17 million guaranteed? Um, okay, well, we, you know, signed Deontay Burnett as, you know, like you said, extended him on dirt cheap. Um, who's Deontay Burnett? He was actually the slot receiver at USC for uh, Sam Darnold. So they got his boy. Um, and then Greg Dorch, um, we actually have a podcast where I talk about Greg Dorch. And um, as funny as it is, I list a player and I say, Greg Dorch's career could be very similar to Jameson Crowder. Um, I said that before he got drafted, or he didn't get drafted. He was a UDFA. Um, and I could see him having a similar career to Jameson Crowder. And it's quite apparent that the Jets um, – are saying, hey, if Jameson Crowder gets hurt, we have a guy in Greg Dorch that we can rely on. Um, all of that tells you that, like I said, Quincy Inunua is going to play on the outside next season. He's an outside receiver. Um, that's how we have to look at him. He's not going to play in the slot. You start to look at some of their depth in terms of their outside threats. Um, Josh Bellamy, like you said, from the Bears, um, he was a special teamer through and through. He's a great special teamer. That's great and all. Um, Deontay Thompson would be the... Um, Robbie Anderson replacement. And I mean, that's just, that would be a drastic drop off. Um, and then, you know, Tim White as the other uh, Quincy and Nunwa. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's where you start to get, if, um, if a Nunwa gets hurt again, you know, all of a sudden Crowder's on the outside and then he's in a bad situation because you have to put in Deontay Burnett or Greg Dorch into the slot because you have no depth at wide receiver. So, um, that's where, you know, and also, like I said, Jameson Crowder has his injury issues. So, um, and that's where, like I said, you go back to this whole thing and you're saying this whole thing stems on Robbie Anderson. Um, they're going to, they're either just going to be, if Robbie Anderson goes down or if he has an issue or anything, um, they're going to be absolutely awful. Um, but if he's good, then he, he really does um, pump up everybody because like I said, um, a is an underneath receiver. Crowder's an underneath receiver. All their death is slot players. Um, Le'Veon Bell, underneath receiver. Um, if you have all these underneath receivers and you don't have Robbie Anderson, they're in big time trouble. So we'll see. Yeah, Parks, and we can move on to um, the rest of his pass catchers here, the tight ends. Um, out goes Jordan Leggett and Neil Sterling. In comes Daniel Brown and Trayvon Wesco, which they drafted at 121. They re-signed Eric Tomlinson, and um, they still have Chris Herndon, but it's looking like he might face a – two-game suspension. So, Parks, how do you see the whole tight end group filling out? Yeah, Chris Herndon's definitely um, the guy to look into where, like you said, um, obviously you got to look into um, his issues, but um, I think it was he was top 20 in uh, uh, receiving yards by a rookie tight end. So, nonetheless, um, and that's all time. He was top 20 all time in receiving yards by a rookie tight end. So, you have a player who um, played at Miami – um, was behind David Njoku his whole career, um, got hurt before his uh, real breakout season without Njoku. 
um, slides into the middle rounds for the Jets, and then him and Darnold catch lightning in a bottle. Um, similar player to Njoku in terms of that high, you know, end athlete, um, that player who could stretch the middle of the field. Um, he's a player who down the football field could, you know, get some stress, um, could stop defenses packing it tight against the Jets. So um, he kind of like, he he also similarly to uh, Robbie really does, you know, make or break a lot of this because um, you start to get into uh, some of their other guys, um, especially in terms of who should get on the field. It's Eric Tomlinson and Trayvon Wesco. Um, Eric Tomlinson is really just a mainly a blocker. Um, and that's where Wesco, um, he was like a move player for the West Virginia last year. Um, the Jets drafted him this year. And, you know, I'm just sitting here saying, well, who the heck drafted this guy? And, you know, just case, you know, how's Gase going to use him? But uh, he is a player who in flashes was able to stretch the middle of the field. So you say, you know, potentially without Herndon, um, and like you said, it's not going to be for long, but um, potentially Wesco gets a little bit of a boost. And if Wesco does take advantage, um, I think in the future, moving forward, the way the Jets want this thing to be, um, and, you know, the way that Joe Douglas would, you know, potentially look at his tight ends or say that in a perfect world, Joe Douglas, how do you want to look at your tight ends at the end of the season? He would say, well, Herndon emerged as that, you know, that F player who can motion into the slot and, you know, take over the seams. And he's that big time athlete that we're looking for in the red zone. Um, and, you know, him and Darnold continued. And then Trayvon Wesco is that player who can line up and block and we can motion him from one side to the other. And we can put him in the fullback spot if we need to. And we can really move forward with, you know, our big time blocker and our big time pass catcher tight end. Um, but like you said, um, Hernan takes a hit because of his issues. Um, Wesco does have to beat out Tomlinson for some snaps. Neil Sterling is another player who potentially with Herndon out would be that, um, you know, he's not necessarily much of a blocker, but he can catch some passes. But um, without Herndon, it's a complete mess. And Herndon is a fantasy sleeper, but um, because he's uh, – you would rather just pick him up than uh, be the guy that drafts him and keeps him on your bench for two weeks doing absolutely nothing. So um, probably would just wait until week two to pick him up, then draft him. And that's where you look at the Jets and you say, um, and that's where I go back to Robbie Anderson and say how valuable he is. But you look at the entire offense as a whole and, uh, you know, they're short on depth as it is and they already have some questions as it is. And, you know, maybe relying a little too much on Herndon um, entering year two. So um, it'll be interesting to see where they go. Parks and moving on to wrap up the offense here with the offensive line. Um, Alco, Spencer Long, James Carpenter, and Dakota Dozier. They do sign Cleccio Simile from the Raiders to a, a really big contract. Um, they also bring in Tom Compton and Chuma Doga. And they extended Jonathan Harrison and Brett Quivelli. Um, they still have Kelvin Beach in there, Parks, and Brian Winters. How do you see the rest of this offensive line shaping up? Yeah, this is um, this is where Mike McCagden got fired. <laughs> let's, go, let's go through how he got fired. I mean, their offensive line was just absolutely awful. And, yes, they did go out and get Caliccio Semele, and that was a great addition um, to the mix. But the fact of the matter is um, they didn't have a center. Like, they don't <laughs> – I, they don't necessarily have a starting center um, right now on their roster. And how do you go through an entire offseason, an entire um, free agency, and you don't necessarily – like uh, Jonathan Harrison is going to be their starting center. Um, he played 505 snaps for them last season, um, was was well below average as a starting center. Um, wasn't – you know, I think what was it? Spencer Long was their starting center um, to start the season. So um, he came in as, you know, a reserve last season. Um, and, you know, now he's just going to be their starting center. You know, the, the guy who last season, the jets were what five and 11 and he was their backup center. That guy is the guy that they're saying, Oh no, he's, you know, that's, and he, like, he, he wasn't very good. He last figured season. It out. Yeah. Like, he, guys, he didn't figure it out. You know, I mean, we're going to see, but I, I just couldn't believe that they didn't. Um, and you know, there were reports that that's where Gase drew the line in the sand too. And that's where I keep going back to, um, Everybody's going to point at Gase, but you, first off, you knew what you were getting with Gase. And second off, Gase is right. Like, Gase is absolutely right here. It was absolutely, it was crazy that they were, you know, you're throwing money at Jamison Crowder, but they couldn't get the deal done with, uh, I forget his name, Paradise, Paradise or whatever from Denver, who uh, yeah. I forget where he went to. But, uh, you know, you couldn't get the deal done there, but you can get, you know, all these other deals done. It just shows you weren't necessarily investing in, uh, which you really should have been because um, you look at the Indianapolis Colts and you look at Sam Darnold or you look at Andrew Luck, who um, I think plays similarly stylistically to Darnold. But, um, you know, what really, ate, you know, killed him for his career was 
you know, all these coaching issues and the GM issues, and it was all a mess. And when did it all start to get right last season? When the offensive line, when a GM who was smart and said, I'm going to come in here and it's going to take time, but I'm going to build up this offensive line. That's when the the Colts started to get it. And that's, that's what it's going to take for the Jets to get it. And um, like I said, I do applaud the assembly. Um, I know he's a little bit older, not necessarily coming off of his best season, but um, he's better than a lot of, you know, it is tough to find, you know, find a way to um, improve your offensive line overnight. It just also, when the reports are literally out there that um, the GM was fired because he didn't invest into it. And then you look at it and you say, not only Jonathan Harrison, um, Brian Winters was absolutely awful last season. He was terrible. He gave up 33 pressures and had seven penalties. Um, he was really bad last season. How does he just get planted right back into a starting spot? Like, how does that even happen? So um, that's where you look at it and you say, okay, Osemele's the left guard, um, Harrison's the center, and Winters is the right guard. I mean, that's a really bad offensive line that Osemele plops up a little bit, but they still have some issues. Um, Kelvin Beecham, I mean, you would like to. Um, upgrade over him but I mean at this point he's like a he's he's average you know he's about middle of the road um is what he is um you can take it you can get by with Kelvin Beecham but if you're gonna get by with Kelvin Beecham you gotta upgrade winners and you gotta upgrade over Harrison and then like you said I mean who even is gonna be their right tackle um is it gonna be Brandon Shell it looks like it they drafted uh Chuma from USC, um, you know, Sam Darnold's guy, but um, he's also a project player. And what was the big knock on Sam Darnold? Um, he took all those freaking sacks because his offensive line was terrible. So, you know, they drafted Chuma, uh, you know, his guy. But, um, yeah, who's going to start at right tackle? You know, it's not going to be Tom Compton. Um, so you really look into it and you say, they don't have a great center. They have a really bad center. They have a really bad right tackle. They have a really bad right guard. Um, and, you know, they spent all this money on all these other players and, uh, it's going to be tough. And that's where it's going to come back to that quick passing in scheming from Gase really matters, but it's all for not if Robbie Anderson isn't on the field. So, I mean, they're really reliant on, you know, what they can do with Gase and they're, I mean, they're just going to try and limp through this year and then hope that Joe Douglas can dig them out because, um, that this is why they got fired because they don't have three starters on their offensive line heading into training camp. Yeah, I mean, pretty like basic beginners for football is it all starts up front. And you look at their offensive line last year, and like we saw what Sam Darnold did whenever he got time. And you'd think the one thing they would show up is the offensive line, but they signed one guy and bring back a bunch of guys that really failed for them last year. That, that's really what it is. It's just, it's the lack of effort, in my opinion, you know. You could say, you know, oh, the cap, and oh, you know, it's tough to get this and that. And um, it was just the lack of effort that I felt like. Um, and like I said, it, it obviously led to his firing. So, um, you know, one and one equals two there. Yeah, Parks, we can move on to the defense here. They hired Greg Williams, who was the interim Browns coach, um, as the defensive coordinator. Um, starting on a line here, Parks, they ended up taking Quinton Williams at number three overall. New deals for Henry Anderson, Steve McClendon, and Brandon Copeland. Mike Pennell and Jeremiah Tatchew are out. They still bring back Leonard Williams, um, Fuda Casey, Nathan Shepard, and Bronson Kafusi. Um, how do you see this shaking out with the defensive line, guys? Right, and this is another one. Um, it's going to be interesting, and I know a lot of people are saying um, – you know, blaming the Quinn and Williams and saying, you know, well, you shouldn't have let him take the number three overall pick. And this is actually one where um, I agree, yes, that um, and we're about to get into, you know, edge rusher was their by far biggest need. And it was a pretty decent edge rusher class up, you know, up top in the first round. And they pass on an edge rusher for an interior defensive lineman. And that sounds like a story that a lot of Jets fans have heard before. Um, you know, Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, Leonard Williams, and here comes Quinn and Williams. And it's like, we can't keep doing this again and pass it on edge rushers because we've always needed edge rushers. I, at some point, you do got to say, though, that, you know, Quinton was probably the best player at that spot, and he's probably the best player in the whole freaking draft. And to get him at number three, um, you know, at, at some point you have to say, well, hey, Quinton Williams is a talent, and, you know, I know Leonard Williams was the safest player, and he's been up and down in that since then. But, um, you know, Quinton Williams also comes in as, you know, seems like a safe player, seems pretty likable, um, seems like in the New York media, um, you know, a quieter guy where him and Sam Darnold could potentially be faces of this team moving forward um, and could be guys that Adam Gates personality-wise actually does, you know, doesn't have issues with. So um, that is where you go into it and say, okay, you know, 
Quinn Williams was the best player and they had to take him. But you do look into their defensive line and you say, well, the strength of their defensive line was the interior. And um, yes, Leonard Williams is due a contract. And I know I think they are trying to work it out with him because, um, you know, when Williams was drafted, a lot of people were just, you know, oh, Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt, best player ever. You know, like like they, you know, you typically do. Um like he's just a good player. Like yes, he's okay. He's not Aaron Donald or JJ Watt. And I even mentioned he was inconsistent. And I think a lot of that was when uh, you know, Richardson and Wilkerson were there and everything like that. It was inconsistent. It's hard to get him in the right uh, fit. We have a new defensive coordinator every stinking year. Um, I'm not, you know, I think Leonard Williams is completely fine, and I wouldn't hate them extending him because then you have him and Williams, uh, you know, the Williams brothers back to back moving forward. But then, like you said, you start to look into um some of the teams, uh, you know, their depth, um, Henry Anderson is a great depth player, um, in terms of, especially you're going to say Greg Williams is going to move to the four, three. Um, if they were in a three, four, it'd be slightly different, but, um, and I also think he said he was going to, um, mess around and he might do, um, more three, four stuff because they're, they're like a three, four, they were a three, four last season. Um, and he's, he's been a four, three coach for most of his career, but I just remembered they tried to sign Anthony Barr because, uh, they wanted to make him a three-four outside linebacker, which is just, that's another one that he was an uh, he was a uh, off-ball linebacker his whole career, and the Jets tried to give him like a lot of freaking money to um, change positions. It was going to be fascinating to see how that would have worked, but um, either way, getting better, and I mean at least it would have helped their edge rushers because they don't have much, um, and that's where you know we're getting to. But uh, their interior defensive line, you do have Quinn and Williams, Leonard Williams, Henry Anderson, some great depth. Steve McClendon is your nose, and if you run a three-four. Um, you know, you can rotate guys around him as your nose there. Um, and I think I have, uh, they're a 49% run success rate team when he was not on the field, went down to 43% when he was on the field. So uh, Steve McClendon is doing um, doing well. And, you know, he's obviously on the field on obvious run situations. So the fact that we know they're running the football and we're better at stopping it, um, that's where he comes into play. And then, like you said, uh, Nathan Shepard um, and Bronson Kafusi, um uh, they're both rookies. Um, I think Shepard really started to come along as the season went. And I still think Kafusi has some upside or uh, no, not Fatakusi, fully Fatakusi, not Bronson Kafusi. They're <laughs> either, either way. Um, one. I think Shepard's mainly when you're talking about the interior defensive line, um, Shepard's the guy who um, is really going to step up. And then, I mean, okay, McClendon's your clear nose tackle. And then you have Quinn Williams, Leonard Williams, Henry Anderson, and Shepard. There's four guys right there. And then, um, as I kind of said, I'm getting into some of this depth, but, uh, and then they have no edge rushers. Um, I don't know. Yeah. If you want to get into the edge rushers, we can, because I think at this point they have to start using some of their interior depth to help with the edge rush help. Yeah, we can, um, we can go into those guys there, Parks. I was just, you know, moving on to the linebackers another level back there. Darren Lee is out. They backed up the Brinks, Brinks truck for CJ Mosley, ended up giving them five years, $85 million. Uh, that includes $51 million guaranteed. Um, they end up taking Ja'Kai Polite at 68 and Blake Cashman at 157. And Neville Hewitt gets re-signed by them, Parks. Everybody else gets running on back. How do you see that going? Yes, I mean, we'll start by with their edge rushers, like I said, and just here's a list of all the players that would be considered um, an edge rusher for the New York Jets, or you know, if, if it's an outside linebacker in a three-four, or a defensive end in a four-three. Um, yeah, yeah. Brandon Copeland, <laughs> uh, there's Bronson Kafusi, um, Jakai Polite, the rookie, uh, Terrell Basham, who got cut from the Colts last season, and James Burgess. So. <laughs> That's what they have. That's legitimately, and that's why they try to sign Anthony Barr to a ton of money to change positions. And that's why people are saying, well, why would you draft Quinton Williams when you have, um, you know, Shepard and Anderson and McClendon and uh, the other Fatakusi? Um, you have all this depth. Um, that's where that comes from because, you know, they don't have much on the edge. And um, it's going to be tough for them to, you know, find some help on the edge. Um, and this is where you go back to Greg Williams and you say, well, the, at the very worst, he's a creative person. And you start to look into um, Quentin Williams is a big time athlete. Um, I don't think Leonard Williams could play much on the outside, but um, Henry Anderson is a defensive end in a 3 4. I mean, if you, they're, in my opinion, they're going to have to go at some points. Um, something along the lines of Henry Anderson, Leonard Williams, um, maybe Henry Anderson, Leonard Williams, um, Quinn and Williams, and then in one edge rusher, or, you know, that's what they're going to have to do. And that's probably 
why they're trying to stick to the three, four and maybe add an extra linebacker onto the field. Um, either way, I mean, you know, none of these players are anything, you know, Ja'Kai Polite is literally the only player to look into. Um, and you can go listen to our podcast on Ja'Kai Polite, where I kind of talk about how his on-field production at Florida was really impressive, but you have to factor in that one, he only had one impressive season at Florida. Two, he was playing severely underweight at Florida. Three, he showed up to the combine extremely overweight. Four, he flunked all of his uh, combine tests and, um, you know, really fell from like a first round pick to like, uh, what was it, like round three or four when they took him. So um, that's their highest upside player <laughs> um, of all their edge rushers. <laughs> you know, I just kind of listed off all these crazy reasons. Like I said, I actually don't mind Terrell ba- Basham, um, but he couldn't even make it on the Colts who have edge rusher help. So that's where you're looking at it saying this is bad. And um, it is going to take Greg Williams getting extremely creative. And it's probably going to take him putting Quinn Williams in positions where he's not necessarily, um, you know, in the in line to succeed or, you know, he's going to be a little bit out of position, um, maybe taking on a little too much weight for his rookie season. Um, that's where I guess I could just get throw in that. I think he's not a good rookie of the year bet. Um, I wouldn't take Quinn Williams to win defensive rookie of the year or anything like that. But um, then, yeah, like you said, moving on to their linebackers, um, their inside linebackers, because uh, yeah, Greg Williams probably is going to run the three, four. Um, they just don't have any three, four outside linebackers to run it with. Um, Brandon Copeland is, you know, he's a fine defensive uh, rotational player. It's just, he's truly, he's going to have to start next season um, and carry the load. And, you know, it's a rotational player carrying the load there. Um, but then, you know, they overpaid from C.J. Mosley. Um, anybody who watched the Ravens' defense last year just has to be, like, laughing at this contract. Like, what? C.J. Mosley got that after what he did last season? I mean, last season, um, Patrick Onwusawar kind of, like, stepped in, not necessarily over him, but he was quite clearly much better in uh, pass coverage. And um, you start to look into C.J. Mosley and you say, I mean, he's not awful in coverage. He's not a liability in coverage. But he's quite clearly a downhill run first player, um, at least at this point in his career. And like I said, the Ravens were able to throw in guys like Anwusoir and Anthony Levine. And they were kind of looking at Adam Gase saying, you could piece together three players um, at running back similarly to uh, Le'Veon Bell. We can piece together three linebackers and get more pass coverage than uh, CJ Mosley. So um, Mosley did struggle, um, especially against slot receivers last season, um, struggled, you know, defending the middle of the field. And I mean, look at his uh, salary next season. Um, and, you know, you look at the way the NFL is moving towards spacing it out and everything. Um, he has to be in the crate. He has to be that player who's sideline to sideline much faster in space because Avery Williamson is his sidekick and that's not him. Avery Williamson is more of a downhill run defender. So now you're looking and you're saying, Add this up, $21 million in 2019 is what you're paying for C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson, and neither of them are that great at defending the pass. <laughs> like, like, what are we doing? We didn't spend anything on the offensive line. So this is where you're sitting. And then, you know, um, Blake Cashman's actually not bad because he's extremely undersized, and he fell because he's extremely undersized. But um, he's athletic, he's productive, and he can play in space, and he's fast, and he can play in coverage. And, you know, um, when they're playing man and when they're switching things over the middle of the field or when linebackers are on slot receivers, um, that's where Mosley and Williamson are really going to struggle. And that's where, um, by the end of the season, they're going to have to get a a guy like Cashman in there. Um, Jeff Allison, I think he's an oversized safety, undersized linebacker. Um, Neville Hewitt, I think he's a good special teams player and pretty much is like (laughs) the backup. uh, You know, you kind of have the – like Mosley and Williamson are like the run defenders. Hewitt and Cashman are more of the space players, but obviously Mosley and Williamson are going to start next to each other. So um, that's where I just think it was like a mismanagement of resources. I also, I think no matter who was going to pay CJ Mosley, um, it would have just been an overpay because um, like I said, if you really watch that Ravens defense, I don't think he was an impact player on it and he's making impact player money now. So um they're that's a tough spot to be in. Parks, and we can uh, we can move on to the back end here, the secondary. Buster Screen and Terrence Brooks are out. They uh, ended up bringing in Brian Poole. They gave him one year, three point five million from the Falcons. Uh, Daryl Roberts gets re-signed, but everybody else gets running on back. Parks, how do you see this back end shaking out? Right, and, um, barring health, I like. Brian Poole over Buster Screen. So, um, hey, Jets fans, I'm not, you know, I'm just calling it as I see it. I, you know, like, I Yeah, I, I like that one. I think Sam Darnold's the man. I'm not trying to be too, too harsh. I do think 
slight upgrade in the slot in that regard. Um, the issue is, you know, Mo Claiborne stepped away and Daryl Roberts was their depth last season. And Daryl Roberts stepped in a little bit when, uh, you know, Tremaine Johnson and Mo Claiborne could like, they just couldn't get on the field at the same time together for the most part. Um, and Roberts kind of subbed in a little bit for both of them. So they're kind of thinking that Roberts can take that step forward. Um, <laughs> they just didn't add anybody else. <laughs> like they didn't replace, if they're replacing Roberts or if they're replacing Claiborne with Roberts, then they didn't replace Roberts with anybody. So, you know, that's where you kind of go back to, you know, that's, they, they're lacking depth on a, at their cornerback spot and Tremaine Johnson missed games last season. And, you know, Daryl Roberts was playing, um, you know, they extended him. I, I don't mind Daryl Roberts, but um, he's a fast player. He's somewhat of a tall player, you know, not too, too great over the middle of the field, but nonetheless, um, it's going to be Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts and uh, Brian Poole in the slot. And I do think that's a slight upgrade um, potentially, but then I think the depth behind it is um, it's just scary bad. You know, Perry Nickerson, um, the reason you signed Brian Poole is because Buster Screen got hurt. Perry Nickerson's filled in for him, and it you know it wasn't good. So you got to go sign uh, Brian Poole. It was his rookie season. He's a you know, small guy from Tulane. I'm not counting out Perry Nickerson yet, but um, that's why Brian Poole's there. And you know between the two, I do think they could upgrade over Screen, but still. And then you go down you know the line to a guy like you know Blaise Sean Austin, uh, Derek Jones, uh, you know. Oster, uh, I, you know, they just don't have much depth at cornerback. They have no depth at cornerback. And once one of the, you know, one of those outside guys goes down, um, considering their lack of edge pressure, um, Greg Williams going to have to get really creative for this one. Um, moving on to the safeties, they have the best safeties there is, um, and then, or not the best safeties there is, but uh, they have a really good combination of safeties. Jamal Adams is really coming into his own as, um, you know, kind of like I said, I'm not just as a player, but also as a team leader. Um, could really, you know, kind of hold down the back end. And that's where um, Adam Gase struggled in Miami. What did he struggle mainly with? A lot of those, you know, character issues, getting the locker room. Jamal Adams has the locker room. Sam Darnold has the locker room. Quinnen Williams has the locker room. Like that, <laughs> There's something at least there to build with to the point where, you know, it's not like it is in Miami, in my opinion, that it's going to be, um, you know, rebuilding and getting personality in here and, you know, trying to, you know, start over. It's really... Now we got to get some talent in here. Um, you know, now we got to get some players in here. So um, Marcus May to finish it out. He's going to be the free safety because Jamal Adams is like a you know in the box doing his thing, running all over the place. So um, May is a free safety. Doug Middleton as a um, you know depth safety behind him. So they have some solid depth in terms of their safeties, but it really is led by Jamal. Um, and that, yeah, that really does break down their defense. There's obviously a ton of questions, but um, at the very core, they do have those cornerstone pieces um, that I think, like I said, are not only um, good players, but also you build around them as people in the locker room. So at the very least, the Jets have uh, Quinnen and they have uh, Jamal Adams on their defense. Yeah, Parks, and that just about does it for the Jets there. Um, from a betting angle, if we want to look at the season win total, I know it opened at 7. It's up to 7.5 now on Bovada, shaded towards the under, minus 125. Um, what would you play with that if you'd play anything? It's tough for me because um, I really think I have to look under a pass in this situation. Um, and I think a lot of the you know betting enthusiasm comes down to you know, like I said, Sam Darnold finished the year extremely hot. Um, the situation was absolutely awful for him. And um, quarterback is by far the most important position. If Sam Darnold takes um, a huge step forward next season, he can get, you know, they can go over their win total. If they stay extremely healthy next season, they could potentially go over their win total. Um, the way that I looked at it with their lack of depth, with their lack of an offensive line, with their lack of, you know, talent and somewhat in some of these areas, it was direction. And um, like I keep saying, the asterisk of it is that was Mike McCagnan. I don't blame Adam Gase for throwing Mike McCagnan under the bus. I would have done the same freaking thing. Like I truly would have. Um, and now that I think that Joe Douglas is in here, um, I think bright times are ahead. I really do. I just think I just don't see it this year. I don't see um, I, I am factoring in a step forward for Sam Darnold. Um, even with that step forward for Sam Darnold, I don't think it's going to, you know, show on the wins too, too often. I don't think they have a great uh, schedule necessarily either. I see them capped out around six or seven wins. So um, I'm looking under all the way here. I haven't placed a bet on the under mainly because I'm waiting to see um, in the preseason, what kind of steps forward Sam Darnold can take. But um, the first second I'm here and, you know, 
an injury to one of these players or, you know, anything in terms of their depth, their issues, Sam Darnold, um, I would be looking under here um, before I would be looking over. And it's unfortunate to say, because like I mentioned, I love, you know, Jamal Adams and I like Sam Darnold and where he's heading, but uh, just not yet for these guys. I think give it an off season with Joe Douglas to um, actually take control. And, you know, some of these pieces will take a step forward this year in what may look like a lost year. But I think, um, I think we're going to, you know, look for and potentially find some, uh, you know, some good things in this lost season potentially for the Jets. So um, it's under a pass for me for them. Parks, another thing I want to add when we were talking about their free agent spending, even looking at like special teams, you know, the Jets finally got to find themselves a kicker last year in Jason Myers, but they let him walk to Seattle. He hit 33 of 36 field goals and ended up getting a Pro Bowl selection. And they end up with Chandler Kinazara, who's bounced around the league a little bit, you know, he's pretty nice from long distance, but struggles from close range and uh, no, and on extra points as well. And they let Andre Roberts, who also was an all-pro returner last year, go and ended up signing Quadri Henderson, who might be a nice fit there. He returned really well at Pitt, but it was just weird to see, you know, like the guys that they let walk whenever, you know, they had pieces that you can, that are important that you can carry over. I think you know, it's, this is kind of somewhat of a, you know, the demise of Mike McCagnin is all over, written all over this team where um, I think you can kind of sum it up as this is a guy who didn't think of the little things, you know, he had some big picture plans in mind. And like I said, you can see some big picture stuff, um, some wheels in motion. It's just, there's, he's missing all these little things. You know, like you said, downgrades a kicker, downgrades on the offensive line, um, questions in the secondary, you know, questions in here and here and here, edge rusher, um, you know, just kind of missed the, all the, you know, little small details on um, the finer points um, and that'll cost you your job. So um, like I said, I think the, the vibe right now is bad. I think it's going to start um, struggling for the Jets, but by the end of the season, um, I think we could potentially be looking at enough momentum to be excited about what Joe Douglas and them could do in that off season. But um, it is because of what happened. It just looks like a little bit of a lost season. Hey Parks, um, that does it for the Jets. Do you have anything you want to say and recap or have we touched on everything you want to get out? That was it. Yeah. Like I said, um, potentially looking under, I think Robbie Anderson is a great play in fantasy, um, especially in best ball. And then Anunwa because he's going so late um, is still there. So uh, yeah, worth looking into. Guys, we'll be moving on to the next team in the AFC East for our third episode coming up next. Be sure to check that out and also the Patriots one if you missed that. Catch you guys next time.